Hi, my name is Tristan. And this is Reza. On this episode of Loading Screen, Dating Sims. We'll be doing the research part of Dating Sims, or Dating Simulator Games. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. Tristan, you took point here on uh, on this. Uh, do you mind giving us like a rundown of what dating sim games are even even are? Yeah, let, let's talk about that because there doesn't seem to be a true definition from what I've seen. Everyone has their own interpretation. So let's start with the definition. We can talk about it a little bit more and then I can dig into some of the other details. Through my research, I've seen way too many explicit photos and imagery, <laughs> to be honest, more than I wanted to while doing the research. I think a dating sim comes down to f- three aspects. One, they utilize social connections and interactions as prominent gameplay features. So things like dialogue choices, maintaining social relationships with multiple characters, like that's one aspect. Two, they have an end goal of achieving a relationship with the character in the game. And there's usually a time limit or some other constraint to work with, right? Like, just like in real life, you can't just go forever. Really? Um, I don't know about you, but I've pined after someone for years on end. <laughs> well, there, there is a time limit, Raza. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, there's some notion of branching paths and replayability. It's not necessarily a point-and-click adventure type of game, right? But... Gotcha. You know, it provides some notion of agency and decision making to the player. So it's not like you're watching a movie. Um, and I think this is the most important aspect of a good dating sim. Usually the gameplay loops and features vary depending on the game, but a lot of games in the genre provide a player with the ability to try to court different characters. So yeah, that that's what a dating sim is. Um, it, it sounds probably very, very formal, but if it meets those criteria, it's a it's a dating sim game. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Thanks for the rundown, Tristan. Um, how do you think the the genre has kind of expanded out into uh, like secondary genres or influenced other things? Can you talk a little bit about some popular games um, that uh, that are kind of influenced by dating sims? Yeah. Um, so I'll talk about like the perception and all that much later on in the episode. But it is important to note that dating sim features are sometimes a secondary genre of a existing video game, but it's not really a real dating sim game. And they tend to be in a lot of popular games these days. So I have a couple examples. So Fire Emblem, starting with uh, Awakening, which came out in 2012. It's uh, Fire Emblem is a tactical RPG. There's units on the board. You move them around. You, you defeat the other army. They introduced a system where you can build relationships to get access to stronger units. So that's kind of a, like, like a little side feature. Um, you can, I love that. You can actually marry, you can actually like arrange marriages between your characters and they'll have a child. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. And depending on the two characters that marry, the children have will, will have different you know, strengths and weaknesses, basically. Wow, that's very tactical. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all for the tactics, okay? It's, it's not about the tactics. <laughs> um, Harvest Moon is another great example. It's a lot older, um, released in 1996. It's a farm management game basically what kicked off Animal Crossing eventually. But this also has the optional objective of marriage through relationship building. I think um, Stardew Valley does this as well. 
and two of the really, really big ones probably in the West and the East, one being Persona, starting in Persona 3, which is a another tactical RPG. Um, it relies on building up what they call social links and dating your teammates. You're playing as a, as a high school male. Um, so you date all the females in your class. Very realistic, I know. And, and you create stronger <laughs> demons. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, Tristan, but that definitely sounds like my high school experience. Yeah, I, I mean, let that sentence sink in. Uh, <laughs> date all the females in your classroom to create stronger demons. <gasps> oh my god, this is very interesting. <laughs> Are the later games like this as well, or or uh, is it is this just the OG one? This is basically why Persona. One of the reasons why Persona got so popular, um, because okay. starting in Persona Three, they added a lot more story background. It's like quote unquote relatable, like it's like a high school story, um, and this dating aspect becomes this huge factor because there's a there's a time limit on the game. The game plays throughout the school year, mm-hmm. so. Every day you can choose to hang out with someone. And depending on who you hang out with, you, you gain more social links with that person and, and can build stronger demons with that person's affinity or, or whatever. So it's kind of a, a little min-maxing aspect. Gotcha. Cool. And then I think the most infamous one in the West is probably Mass Effect, you know, developed by BioWare, came out in 07. Action role-playing game, third-person shooter, has the karma system, has romancing. You know, you can you, you can romance different characters in the game, and it, that you can kill off other characters in the <laughs> game depending on who you romance. It's a it's a whole thing there. I don't know if you played that game before. No, Mass Effect is one of the few OGs I still haven't playing uh, played. Uh, I really need to give it a go though. Got it. But I, I the reason I want to bring these up is because these are what folks sometimes think when when they say uh dating simulators but they're actually not dating simulator games there are other games that tend to have dating simulator features uh, yeah i think that makes sense so in your view what are some games that are, are actually true dating simulators yeah so i i have a very uh i have a small list it doesn't look that small in the notes don't <laughs> worry i'll try to get through it quickly um, these are some games that I think are fitting of the of the definition. First, we have Tokimeki Memorial. It came out in 1994. This is like the seminal dating simulator game. Uh, I mean, I, I wrote down what the story is. You play as a male high school student trying to court various female students. But the reason why this is the purest definition, I would say, it is because it does the three points that I mentioned at the beginning perfectly. There are multiple female characters at your high school, and your goal is to kind of pick one of them and try to go on a date with them by the end of the school year. So it's not like Persona where you're just like building a harem around you. Um, there's there's kind of a player-driven choice. Yeah, and it's much more focused, I'm guessing, right? Like you're, you're isolating one person and trying to build a relationship with that one person, or do you yeah. typically go after various other people as well? Well, I... The the optimal path for the game, it's, it sounds so weird when we're talking about dating sims like this, um, <laughs> is that like the player gets to choose one female character and tries mm-hmm. to date them, right? And yeah. I think uh, it's not as easy as just spending time with them because you will meet other people at school and these people will have this feature of uh, detonating a bomb on you 
as in maybe they'll gossip with each other <laughs> or spread rumors and basically make it really hard for you to to go after one person. Um, gotcha. Okay. So they actively disincentivize it in a way. Yes. Interesting. Uh, okay. So yeah, that's that's probably the earliest uh, game that was done really well. Then we have some other things, right? The Sims, more of a life simulation game, I would say. For sure. Uh, but it definitely has heavy emphasis on relationship building and family life. Um, I'm going to skip over the next one for now. We have another one called House Party, uh, which is more um, recent in 2017. It's a point-and-click adventure. I know I said point-and-clicks are not dating sim games, <laughs> but the player's actions here dictate the gameplay and story direction heavily. There's moral choices that yield different outcomes um, that basically cut or open up different parts of the narrative branch. So the incentive is like you go back and replay it again to see uh, what are the different story paths that you can take. Some other games, I guess, more on the weird end. We got Monster Prom, came out in 2018. It's a randomized 2D narrative dating sim game that has both single player and multiplayer, if you can imagine that. Multiplayer dating? What does that mm -hmm. even look like? I mean, you all play as folks trying to score a date in time for prom so you can take different actions. Interesting. Um, okay. So you're competing with each other as opposed to uh, to get each other. That's right, what I right. had in mind. Yeah. I was like, that's not- just dating through a game. <laughs> it's, it's dating with extra steps. Um, <laughs> and another kind of uh, bizarre one is Raptor Boyfriend High School Romance. We actually interviewed the team and we'll, we'll be releasing the interview next week. Again, another almost pure form of dating sim games. It's about a teen girl who moves to a secret community of cryptids. You know, there's chapters. You take choices on who to hang out with. You need to remember information that they give you so you can build up a good relationship. So that's another one where I, I would say fits with that, within that definition. And honestly, the, I, I added this as a joke, but it's true. I don't know if you've played this, Reza. Nintendogs on the Nintendo DS. <laughs> it's a dating sim game? It's a, I would say it's a dating sim game. <laughs> What's By what definition? Uh, it's a pet simulation game. You have to interact with them to build a good relationship. Social connections and interactions and yeah. goal of achieving a relationship and yeah. branching paths and replayability. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a dating sim game. It's a dating game. sim yeah. game. Just with For dogs. For free. <laughs> <laughs> um, so ho- hopefully that helps you understand what dating sim games are um we've talked about the pure definition we've talked about games that have those features we talked about games that purely fit those definitions so i have have a question for you what experience have you had with dating sim games yeah i've uh, largely stayed away from dating sim games frankly they've never really been the type of game that, that that you know drawn my attention at the same time i've definitely you know engaged with those elements when they're there in other games um, like I know you mentioned, uh, obviously, they're, they're core parts of other games like Mass Effect um, and games like Fable and The Witcher 3 have obviously uh, included those in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely actively engaged with like the romantic elements in those games, but I've never played yeah. a core dating sim game. I'm just going to ask why. Why have I not played any? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How could I sell you on a dating sim game? <laughs> I think, to be really honest, there's like a weird stigma about it. Like, I think mm. my the reason why I play games is largely just for like narration and and for like, uh, you know, to like go through an interesting emotional journey. And mm. I think dating sims tick those marks, but it also just feels strange to me to sit around playing a dating sim game when I could play, I don't know, anything else. Um, so there definitely, to me, is a little bit of a stigma around just the idea of like 
playing a game where I'm trying to like date people. Um, so I don't know. It sounds dumb when I say it out loud, but really it's yeah. just not something that's attracted me in the first place. Got it. Well, foreshadowing, yeah. I have about seven paragraphs about the stigma and perception of dating sim <laughs> games. So I'm going to explain all of it to you. Yeah, it makes sense. What about you? Have you what experience do you have with dating sim games? I've played. Um, I play Nintendogs. <laughs> <laughs> this is your way of telling the world you're a furry, Justin. Yeah, yeah. I've played Nintendogs, uh, the one with the dash hound on the cover. I, that, that's what I played when I was in high school. Uh, oh my god. Um, I've played Raptor Boyfriend as as part of the interview stuff. I played The Sims. Yeah, I don't think I I played a lot of visual novels, which in mm. some sense fits within some of the definition because there's like branching paths. You go back, you play, replay the game. But I don't think I've really sat down and played a dating sim uh, either. I played a lot of like dating sim adjacents. Like I mentioned, Persona, Fire Emblem, maybe even Animal Crossing to a certain extent, right? You you, you yeah. attract in mm. villagers and stuff, but mm. uh, nothing pure. That's such a loose definition of dating sim to some degree, though. Like, you're building relationships in all kinds of games. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is, is Ghost of Tsushima uh, a dating sim game? <laughs> because I'm, I'm building relationships with villagers. I, I think the end goal matters a lot, right? Yeah, for sure. So if the if the primary goal is, if, is achieving that relationship, then it helps uh, define yeah. it better. Like Ghost Definitely of Tsushima, I'm pretty sure you're just killing some stuff, right? <laughs> it's a, it's I, great, I I've never played it. It's a great game. <laughs> it's not just killing stuff. It's a it's a game about family and, and uh-huh. tradition and honor. Got it. We're not. Uh, I think just podcast, stab a couple but... people in the house. <laughs> no, it's a great game. Anyways, that's beside the point. Should we talk about the history stuff? Yeah, let's talk about the history. Nice, um, yeah. Actually, I I don't know if you read through this. When I... do you think dating sim? You, if you didn't, that's even better. Because I was basically just going to ask you, when do you think yeah. ba- dating sim games kind of started? 1978. Okay, that's that's a little too far back. Um, okay, because uh, the NES came out in 1986. So you're saying <laughs> dating sim games predated the NES. So uh, <laughs> I mean, all, all of dating is a game, really. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the, the human nature. Human dating started in 1978. There's none of it before that. Before that, you just went straight to marriage. You just, I mean, that's how Indians do it. You just, my mom just finds me someone. I see. <laughs> Can we put this in the podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but I, I love this. I love this. Maybe before before going to the history, I think you brought up something interesting about narrative experiences. Like you want to play a game that have narrative experiences, right? Yeah. To be honest, this is my hot take. A dating sim game is one of the best narrative experiences that video games can offer. And I think it, it helps players explore different facets, different personalities of each of the characters. And it provides it at a slow enough pace to keep things interesting. Interesting. That definitely makes sense. And and we'll get into this once we talk about like Western culture and Eastern culture. But dating sim games aim to provide an experience that revolves around narrative branching. And I talked about this during the definition, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have a day to spend. Do you spend it with person A or person B? Or do you just like sleep at home? So like, when you go back, you're like, okay, I want to take this branch. I want to take that branch. And really understanding the whole world that the developers have um, 
created. And I think the fun of the dating sim games is hopefully less about the actual romance part, but it's (laughs) exploring these branches to get the full story, you know, less about getting the right story. Um, And and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more later. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I can also imagine there there's an entertainment element with doing particularly crazy things in these branching scenarios, right? Like mm-hmm. if you know you have the option to go back and try something different, especially in something rooted in dating, I can imagine there's like an alerted, like try something random just to see what happens. Um, yeah. So that's definitely pretty interesting. Yeah. So let's go back. Let's talk about the history. I've been digressing so much. Uh, history of Eastern video games for a little bit. Um, so video games in general. So when video games were coming out in Japan, due to a lot of technology constraints, you know, there was less graphical power, there was less buttons. A lot of the games were text-based and focused on text adventure, right? So push the graphical rendering to the human brain, Mm -hmm. their imagination. (laughs) And a lot of these games are closer to visual novels that we have in the modern era. And a lot of the OG video game designers got their starts this way. So Yuji Horii, who created Dragon Quest, first started by creating a game called the Porto, uh, Portopia Serial Murder Case, which, which is a precursor and foundation to visual novel games and potentially led to modern RPGs being created. Um, Hironobu Sakaguchi, who made Final Fantasy, started his career with The Death Trap, which is another um, a text-based adventure. And a lot of these kicked off visual novel groups of games in which dating, games, uh, dating sims could seem... Uh, be a tangent or a variant of and I think one of the earliest games that came out came out in 1985 so you were close not in the 70s but in the (laughs) 80s it was called Tenshitachi no Gogo and the goal of the game was to seduce the star of the tennis club and you you have to interact with the environment find right items give her the right gifts you know basically make the right choices to win and win in this case is to seduce her and go on a date with her and even Nintendo, who made uh, Metroid, Mario, mm-hmm. Donkey Kong, etc. And this game was uh, directed by Sakaguchi, Nakayama Miho no Tokimeki High School. That's a long name. Um, <laughs> came out in, saying that. Yeah, came out in <laughs> 1987 on the Famicom Disk System. was a romantic text adventure game. So the game introduced making the right dialogue choices. So the concept of dialogue choices came out with this game. And there was also kind of visual feedback with expression on the characters' faces. Like, even before we get to the pure dating sim games, a lot of folks who are, like, the pinnacle uh, gods of the gaming industry, folks who made Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy, you know, Dragon Quest, all of them got their starts with things that would eventually um, be the foundation for dating sims. That's interesting. Do you know if any of these games had follow-ups to them, or were they largely individual things that kind of contributed to the general, you know, genre of dating sims and the direction that they're headed in. Yeah, I think back then the concept of sequels weren't really a big thing. Gotcha. I can talk a little bit more about Tokimeki High School because it ties into kind of the the main game I want to talk about. But mm-hmm. this is kind of like, you know, game industry was kind of new, right? I, I mentioned 1986, I think is when the NES came out. I really hope yeah. I'm not wrong there. Um <laughs> So it, it, this, this is like the big bang, I would say, and how the gaming industry was starting to take shape. NES came out in Europe in 1986, in 1983 in Japan, so I got that wrong. Um, from then on, you can actually see how a lot of famous games start to branch out from this concept of text adventure 
and uh, narrative, right? Like yeah. if you look at Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest, um, their focus more uh, was more on the RPG and the combat. Um, games such as Myst and Grim Fandango are more around world exploration. Mm-hmm. And then we have like the the golden standard for dating games, Tokimeki Memorial, which built the foundation of dating simulators that focus is on branching narrative. Yeah, should we dive into that one in particular? Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit more. Um, so Tokimeki Memorial, it was developed by Konami. So the folks who made Metal Gear Solid, right? Um, football Simulator. I don't know why that <laughs> popped into my head. <laughs> it's the same thing, really. Metal yeah, Gear Solid. <laughs> Only released in Japan in 1994 on the PC Engine. And, you know, all, the games that I talked about before, they hit some aspects of the definitions, but this was one of the first games that hit all three. Let me let me go into why. It has a very clear romantic goal. There's many different female characters in the game, but the, the quote-unquote canon ending is you want to try to get Shiori Fujisaki to be her girlfriend at the end of the high school year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just added a note here of like, the game actually doesn't show or embrace the explicit uh, sexual content, which is nice. Like, it's more about the gameplay and the story rather than showing gratuitous, explicit stuff. Are there still elements of it in the game? It's just that it's not visualized or is it largely focused on, you know, as you mentioned, the branching story? Yeah, There are some visual aspects, but it's it's not like porn. That's what I'm gotcha. saying. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Two, there are multiple, multiple branching paths that you can take. You can actually pursue most, if not all, the female characters at the school that you meet. And there's an there's an ending where you you fail and you just don't date anyone. <laughs> and you know, talk about the choices. Due to the choices that you can make, you can decide who to go out on a date with and where and when. And these are all very important things. You can choose how to spend your school week to raise your stats. There are events that trigger or don't trigger based on your stats and timing. And um, you can basically say social interactions are a very prominent feature. There's you know. Uh, diverging dialogue. If you take the wrong girl to the wrong date location at the wrong time, <laughs> you're kind of screwed over. And then combining all these is the aspect of a constraint. The game at the, at, ends at the end of your high school year. And I think I talked about this a little bit before, but there are there's this concept of bombs. So yeah. uh, after you meet girls, if you neglect them or you don't date them, they will eventually become really angry and gossip to their friends, severely reducing your love meter with them across the board. Interesting. Okay. So so you can't necessarily neglect one character, even if you're going after all of them, to, or after another person. Correct. Because of the fact of the that the bomb may hurt everyone else as well. Correct. That's interesting. Gotcha. And, and the reason that this is very interesting is back to that canonical goal, uh, trying to court Shiori Fujisaki, to even meet her, you need to meet other girls before. Gotcha. There's like this like prerequisite chain. So by the time you meet this person, you have now started a uh, friendship or relationship with X amount of other girls. So you need to keep them happy as well. <laughs> oh my God, this is hilarious. Yeah, so the, the bombs basically become the primary concern. You're like, oh my God, what do I do? Who do I keep happy? Yeah. So you need to plan everything properly and you need to do like round robbing dating with the girls that you meet. That, that's why the constraint is there. And it does 
all of this right. Um, I don't want to drag on too much about this game because there, there's just so much to talk about. But there is a video from Tim Rogers on YouTube. It's about six hours long, so it's it's kind of a long watch. Wow. But uh, he explains why this game is probably one of the best games ever made, not just a dating sim. That's really interesting. You talked earlier a little bit about how dating sim games can really be the most powerful narrative experiences that some people get. Um, yeah. How does this game in particular exemplify that for you? I think the concept of being able to go back, getting different perspectives on a character, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing how they react through different situations. Even the date mechanic of you can take them to different places at different times of the year, right? There, there's mm-hmm. like a very broad set of um, story that you can get out of it, which I think adds to this narrative experience. Um, I'll talk about this later in the West versus East, but I, I feel like a lot of these Japanese dating sim games or, or dating sim games in general tends to go for like more of a breadth approach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it leaves the kind of control to the player in terms of how they want to approach that story. It's kind of like reading a um, choose your own adventure book, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I can imagine when you're trying to balance out, um, like going too deep versus having that branching, that balance is super important. So it's interesting to see how some of these games probably approach it. Yeah. So I want to ask you, actually. So we talked about narrative experiences, you know, where dating sims fit into it. What is like personally important for you when you think about narrative games? Because I know you play a lot of them. Yeah, narrative games are by far the the ones that I enjoy the most. Um, I for me, I think it, it really just comes down to characters and relationships between characters, um, which is particularly fitting since we're talking about dating sims. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, what I care about the most is having characters with very just realistic principles slash behaviors and characters that are uniquely distinct from one another. I think like some of the games that I love the best are ones where I just get really invested in, you know, what happens to one particular person, but also the relationships that they have with other people's. And when those are fleshed out in a very realistic and uh, deep way, um, that's not just like video gamey, but can kind mm-hmm. of like reflect real life experiences. That to me is where video games really get special because you're in the feet of someone else and you can kind of really empathize with their experiences. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that, that's what really makes it for me. Maybe this isn't the right fit for you, but, uh, <laughs> 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 to each their own, right? <laughs> to each their own. Yeah. I mean, I think the exploration element of these games definitely sounds interesting to me. Like I, I like the idea of being able to tinker with um, a lot of different paths and like a mm-hmm. lot of different alternatives but i think obviously there is an element of like um unrealism to it you know what i mean like it's just not realistic for one person to be dating like seven people at the same time so it is definitely interesting though i think i've tried more games that are more branchy and so it could be interesting to try some of these out just to try them out at least yeah i think there's like a kind of a middle ground of visual novels that tend to do the same thing without perhaps all the Mm -hmm gratuitous dating stuff so things like um 999 which is on the nintendo ds uh zero room escape that that that's what it's called that's more based around kind of like mystery thriller um almost like saw-esque of a bunch of people trying to escape traps and stuff (laughs) interesting i think uh, another thing that this genre is obviously uh not necessarily lacking but like uh, I think diversity is something that will create that kind of 
um, richer narrative experience as the mm-hmm. genre kind of evolves. Like I think Raptor yeah. Boyfriend um, was a prime example of this, right? Like they clearly yeah. came into it with the idea that traditional dating sims are obviously very tailored to a to a to a pretty specific audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no reason why the experience of like playing a dating sim game can't have elements. Um, of like LGBTQ plus representation or, you know, POC and and just like having more rich relationships can still be ingrained into that core gameplay loop. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am pretty excited to see what future games in the genre do just because there's a lot of potential to me. I think that's a good segue because I, uh, I want to go over the evolution of this genre so far because I think if you've been listening to me, if you've been bearing with me as I talk about this genre for the past 30 minutes, I have said high school male trying to <laughs> get a female. high school female, right? That That is what I've said for the for the past 30 minutes. But there are different genres. I think when it started, it started that way. The devs were probably targeting that segment of gamers. For sure. But, you know, m- mostly aligning with Japan's anime and manga segmentation, there are uh, B Shoujo games, which is what I said, playing as a male trying to court a female. Otome games, which are f- you play as a female courting males. Yaoi gotcha. games, which is males courting males. And Yuri games, which are females courting females. So there's definitely been a branch in kind of the representation. Uh, obviously not as diverse it could uh, as it could be. Yeah. But um, the reason I didn't go into each of these specifically is one, I just... I just didn't want to look up these games. Um, Google knows too much about me already. I didn't want to add this to the mix. I hate to see what kind of ads you're going to get, Tristan, after doing research for this. I'm glad you took this one because if I had, I would have been embarrassed for sure. Yeah. And um, I mean, the second one is around. um, There's just too many games, uh, especially in Japan. And I can't read any of them. So I, I had to do a lot of extra work to even understand what's going on. So as as maybe starting from this tree, as the games, uh, as the games continue to evolve, um, I mentioned that at the very beginning, but they have become a prominent feature in a lot of games, whether it's a secondary genre or a mini game that enhances the experience. I think it's something that a lot of folks can relate to, right? Yeah. Um, doesn't have to be dating per se, but you know, friendship, social relationships, things like that. So I think it's it's really helped round out a lot of different genres. Yeah. And I, I think as the genre has continued to evolve, the more popular games in the genre have started to break the meta, so to say, um, <laughs> with games parodying the dating simulator genre itself. So Hatoful Boyfriend um, is a game where you are a dating pigeons that have human personalities and complexities. Are you playing as a human being or are you playing I, as a pigeon? I believe you're playing as a human being. That's I'm, dating I pigeons? Wrong. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Hey, diversity. <gasps> this is not diversity. No? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is it too much? Uh, oh, my God. Um, Doki Doki Literature Club is another one where it's a quote-unquote dating sim game that starts off as like any other dating sim game, but soon as turn turns into something different. I don't want to go into it because I don't want to spoil it, but that's been kind of <laughs> one of the prime examples recently of like, you know, subverting the, the, the genre basically. Oh my God. I looked up Doki Doki literature club and one of mm-hmm. the top people also asks is, is Doki Doki literature club a virus? 
Is Doki Doki <laughs> Literature Club dangerous? <laughs> yeah, may- maybe spoiler warning. Um, so if you if you don't want to uh, get this game spoiled, skip ahead like a couple minutes. But uh, just to tell you, Raza, it, it turns into it turns from a dating sim game into a horror game. <laughs> That's what it looks like based on yeah. the Google results. Interesting. And it starts doing random stuff, like it deletes files off your computer. Like, <laughs> it, like it's it's super weird. Um, Interesting. Okay, I kind of yeah. like that. That's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, I hope and, it doesn't delete anything important, but that's pretty yeah. interesting. And I, I, I think I also want to bring up two other things, just just because uh, I don't know if I wrote it down. One second. No, I didn't. This happened after I did the research, but like Boyfriend Dungeon. I don't know if you heard about this. Nope. Is another kind of I would say bizarre dating sim esque, where it's a it's a hack and slash. But you date your weapons. You play as a as a person, uh, trying to hack and slash through different dungeons. And you date your swords, your daggers, your pole arms. Just let that sink in. Uh, I'm literally okay. looking at a picture where you have dialogue options with a dagger. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, and I think Dream Daddy was another one, which is made by Game Grumps, uh, the the YouTube folks where you play as a dad and your goal is to meet and romance other hot dads. Wow. So there is more diversity in the genre. Yeah. It's been getting better. <laughs> if you define stabbing someone better. <laughs> it's just it's just BDSM simulation. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's that's been kind of like how it's been evolving since the, the pure definition and, and some of the other things that have been going on. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. I, I also do wonder um, whether in the future there will be more fleshed out games that purely focus on like a more romantic approach rather than like a lot of these are obviously pretty interesting games, but they're clearly taking a direction of, um, you know, like narrative creativity, right? Like Doki Doki yeah. Editor Club. But I wonder whether there will ever be games uh, with like the narrative quality of, say, like The Last of Us or God of War mm-hmm. Um that are purely focused on like relationship building and things like that. I, see. Um, I mean, I guess uh, like Detroit uh, being human or something like that is, isn't, is it's not a dating sim by any means at all, but I mean, it is a game <laughs> that focuses on like relationship building and like choices yeah. um, rather than like pure gameplay. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, it's interesting. I, I think we're, we're almost just about to go into this. But I think the problem comes from the the breadth versus depth again, right? Like Last of Us 2 has the quote-unquote freedom and constraint of following a very linear path. For sure. So you can can flesh out a very detailed story, whereas a lot of these games tend to have, like they have to cover a lot of different choices, a lot of different situations. So it's hard to bring in that amount of detail uh, into every single branch that a player could possibly go through. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, there's also the perception part to it, which I know you wanted to speak about. I just I wonder whether something like this will ever really be something that is uh, like a very commonly tried genre. Yeah. Um, the way that like action adventure or you know like FPSs are. Um, but I guess we should dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I actually have a question for you to start with because you brought yeah. up stigma, right? When I asked you, have you played a dating sim before? Like, what are some of those stigmas? And if when you hear the word dating sim, what are some of the first adjectives that come to mind? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, 
it, the first word that honestly comes to mind is a little bit cringe. Um, just given the fact that, you know, the perception of it, at least to me, very often is like gamers are generally perceived as just like, you know, guys that are like lonely or whatever. And that it kind of leans into that a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, like, I, I don't think I'd want to be perceived as a guy that's like playing dating Sims, but doesn't actually have like a real dating life or something like that. Um, yep. there's also the like potentially not necessarily problematic. Well, yeah, the problematic perception of like women in, in a lot of these games, right? Like, yep. as you mentioned, a lot of these games are very like, oh, you're the guy trying to get a bunch of girls. Um, and so I don't think they, you know, it, it's just, there, those aren't really positive things for me a lot of the times. And, and do you think the Western culture has kind of a similar perception on this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, even the perception a lot of people have at anime, right? Like there's a lot of really good, high quality anime out there, but there's also a lot of uh, weird anime out there. Uh, and I think the thing that dominates a lot of times the perception is the weirder side of things for people that aren't used to that to that genre. And I think the same thing happens with dating shims, right? Like, sure, there's definitely going to be creative experimental games like Doki Doki or, um, you know, the pigeon one that you mentioned. But at the same time, the majority of them are still rooted in a lot of those potentially weird, problematic narratives. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think a lot of people are probably going to shy away because of those things. Yeah. So welcome to Tristan's history corner. We're going to talk (laughs) about the history of Eastern culture and Western culture, starting from the 90s, and uh, we'll go through it. A lot of these are hard to quantify with concrete data. So, you know, understand, interpret this as an opinion on the perception. I'm not a history major or Mm -hmm. journalist. I don't don't even know how to do proper research. (laughs) Um, So take this with a grain of salt if you wish. So, you know, I think I mentioned that dating sims originated in Japan, right? Like in the 80s, going into early 90s. And at the same time in the United States, the industry, the video game industry was booming with things like Doom, developed by id Software, came out in 93. This was a game yeah. that was a great dating sim. Yeah, great dating sim uh, <laughs> on how to, how to date demons. Um, a first-person shooter that changed video gaming, right? There's too much to talk about here. I can't, I can't go into the details, but hopefully you've heard of Doom. And second, uh, another big game, Mortal Kombat, developed by Midway, came out in 92 in arcades. That was a game that basically glorified violence, right? Sure. Arcade fighting game that had gory finishing moves called Fatalities. And this is what this is what sold. This is what was cool in the United States. Um, I wasn't, I was like barely born. Plus, I wasn't <laughs> here. Uh, Raza, you, you definitely weren't born at that time. So <laughs> we can't really speak from experience. But that, that's what was happening on the Western side. And then across the pond in the East, around the same time, a lot more narrative games were taking off. So we talked about Dragon Quest before. This came out in 86, but actually the best-selling games in the series came out between 1990 and 1995, so overlaps with Doom and Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy, which is another huge franchise developed by Square, came out in 1987. And by the time, like in 1994, Final Fantasy VI came out. Personally, I think it's the best game ever. So you can see how, like, <laughs> the two cultures um, were really excited about different things at the same time. Yeah, no, that that, that definitely shines in, in this uh, analysis you've given. Yeah. And, you know, even in the West, I think narrative uh, games were starting to come up. So we had some, uh, some games such as Night Trap, which developed by Digital Pictures. It came out in 1992 for the Sega CD. It was a narrative game, had branching paths, but it also had a lot of controversies around violence. Mm-hmm. And it was so bad 
that the ESRB, the Entertainment Software Rating Board, you know, rated T for Teen, rated M for Mature, that had to be created because of this video game. <laughs> because of Night Trap? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Wow. It was worse than Doom and Mortal Kombat? Yeah. I mean, uh, Doom and Mortal Kombat came out a little bit afterwards. Oh, right, right, right. My bad. Yeah. So uh, why is all this relevant? It's relevant because this is what shaped the culture as video games were taking off on either side of the world. So in Japan, dating games or dating sims became a subgenre or an extension of, you know, role-playing narrative games that had a romantic lens, right? You you grow your characters, you learn what works and what doesn't and try to get the best endings. Whereas in the US, a lot of gaming was defined by like almost a one and done mentality. Mm-hmm. You need quick feedback loops. And the over to, over the top violence is more of like a visual stimulus. Yeah. Uh, so that that's what was defining the industry in both sides. And you know, at the same time, romance and sex in mainstream media in the West was kind of a taboo. And you can even see how this was interpreted when Tokimeki Memorial, one of the most popular and accepted dating sims in Japan, was reviewed in the U.S. So there was a New York Times article in 1995 written by Andrew Pollack, he stated that the game was developed by male programmers based on their <laughs> fantasies with no input from women, which is false. Interesting. So these type of games were basically seen as games that were being played by like deviants and perverts in Western culture, uh, which is kind of very similar. You didn't use these words, but you, you know, similar to what you said in terms of like how we perceive dating some yeah. games here. But it's interesting because in Japan, Tokimeki Memorial was not only mainstream, but it was a cultural phenomenon across both males and females. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. I mean, I think um, there's definitely a lot of elements at play here. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe just fast forwarding a little bit more. I think this rift in perception just kind of made it worse in terms of the games and sales and development of dating sim games across the world and games kind of similar to it. So even now, Western players, Western studios have a tendency to just accept how the die is cast. I I don't like that analogy, but like Mass Effect is a good example, right? It Mm -hmm. quote unquote has branching paths and the game was meant to be replayed, but players tend not to do it. Um, there There was a data point from John Ebinger, who was the cinematic designer for Mass Effect, said 92 percent of mass effect players chose the good guys mm-hmm. and the game doesn't incentivize players well to do any of the other branches so that all, that has all gone to waste and then a lot of western dev studios push for experiences that are also like one and done right last of us by naughty dog it's a linear experience bioshock yeah. by 2k it's also a linear experience and then eastern players tend to want to play uh, tend to experience all the junctures right all the good stuff all the bad stuff ultimately seeking uh, ultimately seeking out the best of all the possible things so persona is a good example um it's a one ha- 100 plus hour game that has multiple endings <laughs> and you have to go <laughs> back and play it every time near autonoma is another great example where i believe it has like 20 plus endings um it's a little bit more linear but you have to keep going back and trying different yeah. things so yeah, that's kind of been my research analysis of some of the perception and, and why we are here. As Yeah, no, this uh, is super interesting. I, I, I love this distinction that you've made about like the the way that people approach replayability in video games. Like I never really considered that in general, a lot of the earlier games that came out of America um, 
were were largely like one and done type experiences. Whereas like, you know, obviously there is a focus on replayability. I think that's changing a little bit now uh, in general, like games are becoming more replayable. There's also a focus on making games uh, short and replayable. Like obviously the gameplay loops of like Hades and Outer Wild and things like that. Um, they are heading in that direction of like making games generally something that people come back to to try out different things. Just uh, pretty interesting. I think that's more of a capitalist thing, to be honest. That's fair. That, no, that's totally fair. <laughs> like I Call mean, of Duty, same... right? Every year comes out as the same oh, game. God. There's like a battle yeah. pass. But I think that's different from something like a game narratively choosing to make things more replayable, right? Like I, mm-hmm. like I said, The Outer Wild, There's they could have just made well, I mean, I guess the time loop is like core to the experience there, but like the fact that it is is something yeah. that like would happen, I think, ages ago. Yeah. Um, we also just generally have shorter attention spans, so <laughs> we need shorter loops if we do if we do anything with loops of it. I think there are pockets of games that are popular that you know kind of fit in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm also excited about Death Loop coming out. Yeah. this month um or last month depending on what this episode goes out um that has kind of a, a narrative loop on it too but i feel like if you look at top selling games of na um it still tends to be very dominated by a lot of these you know if it's a triple a narrative it's usually not really replayable like horizon yeah. is another example yeah um definitely not no branching in horizon <laughs> yeah or it's just like kind of a multiplayer shooter, MOBA, sports game, something like that. Yeah, I would say also that a lot of games which historically have had choice be a more a strong element have kind of also headed into a direction where choice is, is kind of less of a factor. Yeah. Um, like Red Dead and some like the, the recent games by... Who developed Red Dead? I can't remember. Rockstar? Yeah, Rockstar. Yeah, some of their games, like there's a really great hour-long uh, video by a, a YouTuber named Nikki Jakey uh, mm-hmm. or Naked Jake, uh, who uh, does a deep dive in how their game design is kind of outdated. Um, yeah. And the point he basically makes is that they've gone from being very choose-your-own-adventure, kind of do-whatever-you-want, to mm-hmm. a much more focused like narrative experience where yeah. player choices is less of a factor. Um, we've completely digressed from dating Simtot. <laughs> no, I think it's valid because... like. I, I think that's what differentiates dating sims of there's actual different endings. Yeah. Whereas in Western culture, or, you know, screw Eastern Western culture, like games like Mass Effect 3, right? Mm-hmm. Mass Effect was sold and marketed as a game that every player will get their own unique ending, right? Because there's mm-hmm. so many branches to take. You can romance this person, romance that person. But then when Mass Effect 3 came out, um, everybody was funneled in to one of three endings. Gotcha. So I, I think that wraps up the research component for dating sims. If I, if I had some takeaway messages, one, dating sim games are pretty well defined. There's a lot of them out there. Please try Nintendogs on the Nintendo 3DS. <laughs> the Dash Hound version is fantastic. It was a precursor to a lot of narrative games that we see and love today. And I think just due to history, it's not as accepted here, uh, which kind of sucks because they're actually pretty good games at the core of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thanks for doing this deep dive for us, Tristan. This is super interesting. Um, I've obviously never played games of this type, so at the least, I'm definitely going to give Raptor Boyfriend a go um, since it it seems like a pretty interesting uh, like first run anyways for for the genre. 
Uh, thanks as always, folks, for joining us this week. Uh, we're super glad to, to have you here. Uh, join us again next week when we're releasing the episode where we interview the studio Rocket Adrift, which uh, created the game Raptor Boyfriend, which we've spoken about. Loading Screen is available on Radio Public, iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, Podbean, and all of your favorite podcast directories. If you enjoy this episode, please take a moment to subscribe, review, and share it with your friends. We're also on social media as Viewport Gaming on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Loading Screen is part of Viewport Gaming, a game, gaming website that provides a look into video games through reviews, features, and podcasts. You can find all Viewport content at viewportgaming.com. And as always, I've been your host, Tristan. And this is Reza. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs>